Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, guys? Oh, boy. Yeah, so, so much for the offense uh, being consistent, picking up where it left off. So much for Luke Getze. Uh, you know, having turned the corner as a play caller and uh, and all the rest of it. I mean, the defense's best performance of the year was wasted uh, in this uh, in this football game. Uh, we we lose the the first home game after Dick Butkus's death. We're wearing his fifty one patch on the uniform for the rest of the season. His number fifty one is painted at the ten yard line on Soldier Field and. This is the performance that we churn out uh, in response uh, to that. So, yeah, not a uh, not a pretty picture. It was not a fun game to watch uh, because it looked like watching two one and four teams play each other is what it looked. Like. It wasn't like uh, you know when the Bears and the Broncos got together and both teams looked good because the other team wasn't. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't. It wasn't the back and forth fun game to watch that the Denver game was, or obviously how much fun was it watching us beat the crap out of Washington uh, last week. This was more in line with what I thought the Denver game might look like uh, with a similar uh, result as to what I was expecting that day. So, yeah, so let's go ahead and get into it. This is the week six review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Coming into the game, our beloved had dodged one major bullet, and that being Justin Jefferson uh, being out with a hamstring injury that he suffered just last week against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And, um, you know, so we wouldn't have to worry about him. And even though he's not the most prolific guy as far as scoring points against the Bears in his, I think, what, eight games, five, five, six games, whatever it is, uh, against the Bears, he's only scored two touchdowns. But his yardage is probably through the roof. I mean, he's I think he's had over 100 yards against the Bears every single time uh, that he's played against us. So uh, we didn't have to worry about him. And you could definitely tell the difference uh, on the offense. Now, uh, K.J. Osborne, uh, T.J. Hawkinson, Jordan Addison, uh, they had their moments and made their plays, but it wasn't like having to defend or worry about uh, Justin Jefferson uh, being out there and I'm sure he'll be an issue for us if he's healthy and raring to go in six weeks when we play him on Monday Night Football in week 12 but right here right now this was one bullet dodged uh, then we dodged another or maybe actually it was something that ended up hurting the Bears which was I was expecting or the forecast was expecting for it to be rainy uh, on Sunday uh, against the uh, against the Vikings, which uh, we saw what rain did in helping the Bears beat the 49ers uh, week one uh, last year. We weren't expecting typhoon conditions like we did uh, that particular uh, day, but it, with it being rainy, with it being in the 50s, therefore making it you know cold and uh, that kind of thing against the Dome team, missing their best player uh, and all that kind of stuff, I was kind of looking forward to that kind of tipping the scales uh, in the Bears' uh, favor. And unfortunately, as far as that particular scenario goes, it was sunny and, and beautiful uh, at Soldier Field for the entire football game. It didn't even drizzle uh, on them uh, on Sunday. So even with those two bullets dodged or, you know, whatever you want to call it, we all this game did was serve as more of an excuse to fire Eberflus and Getze and the whole lot of them uh, for how, you know, kind of flat and unprepared we looked from the start 
uh, of the game. And, um, you know, I, I talked, I, you know, if, if you guys check me out on the skull purple, uh, podcast, you know, on you also, you know, know that I talked to Chris, Chris Gates on this show. Both of those guys told me Brian Flores pretty much likes to blitz about as much as people blink during the day. They blitz more than anybody else in the NFL by a huge margin. And yet the way that we went out there in the start of the football game, you would think we didn't see him blitz once on tape because we were, it was a combination of not looking like we were prepared for the blitz with a combination of uh, Darrington Evans and Deontay Foreman for all of their, uh, virtues and the way that they ran the football today, which both of them ran the ball very well, or at least I was very pleased with what I saw from them when they did run the ball, especially Foreman. Uh, neither one of them could block to save their lives as far as pass protection uh, was concerned. you know. And, and our pass blocking schemes were leaving Deontay Foreman one-on-one with Daniil Hunter. Are you serious, man? That's the we're, – we're, I – He's the inside man, and and I don't know. I haven't been an offensive lineman since my freshman year in college, but it was always emphasized to me that the most dangerous man is the one coming to the inside. So why would you let Daniel Hunter go to the inside and you take the the linebacker looping around the oh, Jesus? I I it doesn't make any sense to me, you know. But to tell you the truth, NFL blocking schemes have never made sense to me like wh- how could you not account for this guy coming off the edge like you've written the play to ignore this guy coming off the edge because NFL speed he won't be able to get there when it's proven wrong almost every single time but anyway you wouldn't you wouldn't think that we knew the Vikings blitzed on a regular basis or that Brian Flores really liked to dial up uh, the pressure in order to get to uh, the quarterback because it went from the last two weeks Watching Justin Fields sit in a comfortable pocket, scan the field, see the, you know, making making anticipatory throws. You know, guys haven't made their cut yet and the ball is out, you know, like he did against Washington and against uh, Denver. And, you know, you would think that we would be ready. We got hot routes ready to go. We got this guy, you know, you see that guy coming. I want you to run a route to where he was because that's where the void in the defense is going to be. Nope. Didn't see any of that. All we saw was Justin Fields under pressure, throwing off his back foot, got his arm hit, and a, you know, for, resulted in an interception. The whole nine yards. It was completely frustrating uh, to watch and to, to watch us revert back to the team from weeks one through three, as far as our incompetence uh, on offense. Running the ball was encouraging, but passing the game, passing the ball. Justin Fields, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions, uh, almost six hundred yards, over six hundred yards uh, passing uh, in the last two games uh, against Denver and Washington. He didn't even break a hundred today, and I know he didn't finish the game, but he he threw for fifty eight yards. He was six for ten, fifty eight yards, and an interception, and he was sacked four times. Yeah, I, I just who do I talk to about that? Because it wasn't Justin Fields' fault that there were seven guys in the backfield anytime he tried to drop back to throw. So, I mean, it, it goes back to that that play against Denver where the ball where you know, the ball got knocked out of his hands, they scooped it up, they ran it in for a touchdown. Luke Getzey talking about like that one's all on Justin Fields. Like, really? That's all on Justin Fields? We knew that guy was coming. He's naked or dirty as they like to say. You know, it's a dirty play, that guy's coming. And uh, you know, you don't think you want anybody to account for him? Nobody's going to give him a nudge, give him a shove to try to give the quarterback a second to get where he needs to in order to, to make his read, make his throw? Nah. Justin just didn't go deep enough. Right, so he would have been just that much further into the backfield when he got sacked by this free rusher that was bearing down on him. So, I mean, this is the kind of shit I'm talking about. So, anyway. <sighs> So let's listen to the knee-jerk reactions because uh, we earned that by beating Washington uh, last week, even though I left my phone upstairs when I recorded the show. So no knee-jerk reactions from our first victory in almost a year. But, uh, you know, we'll play the knee-jerk reactions 
for this week and uh, see where that takes us. So let's take a listen to the uh, first quarter. And like I said, I I wasn't in, I already wasn't liking what I was seeing, especially with the blitz coming in and, you know, looking at the way that we were defending the blitz. You would think we never knew that Minnesota liked to blitz almost more, more than any other team in the league. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction, first quarter, Bears and Vikings. And uh, the Vikings have only had the ball on one occasion so far. They uh, scored for the first time on their first drive of the year. Uh, So they broke the streak of punts and fumbles that they had coming into the game. The Bears' offense has been a very mixed bag because passing hasn't looked good because the Vikings, the most blitz-heavy team in the league, are blitzing whenever we try to pass the ball and they've gotten to fields twice already and uh, the offensive line isn't protecting him. So the passing game hasn't been there just yet. However, uh, even without Roshan Johnson and Khalil Herbert, uh, Darrington Evans and uh, Deontay Foreman, and we even got a little run from uh, Valus Jones uh, a little bit ago, uh, been running the football. So that's what's working right now. So the offensive line opening up the lane so we can run. Uh, we're down three, nothing right now. We are, uh, I believe we just got in the red zone on the last Evans run there before the end of the quarter, looking to finish, finish off our second drive, get into the end zone, see if we can get on the board. But, so you heard me mention it. It's like the, the most blitz-happy team in the league is blitzing. Uh, anytime that we're in a passing uh, situation and uh, we don't look like that we are prepared to defend uh, the blitz. I mean, they just come right through, and it's, you know, it's like – Maybe keep a tight end in, you know, Corey Blassing game. He can block, leave him in there. Let him be the, the up back next to fields and uh, everything. Not every, and this is what I do not understand. Um, you know, like it just, maybe I'm just the basic bitch when it comes to offense. It's just, it's just, you know, if, if guys are sending six or seven, you know, the, the one thing I will concede in the NFL is all you need is, a quarter of a second, a half a second more to be able to make the throw, to be able to make the read, to get the ball off. So it's not like I'm asking us to leave five guys in and only have one receiver in the route so we can block everybody who's coming. But we weren't attempting to take up the blitz with anything more than the front five and maybe Foreman or Evans uh, you know, in the backfield uh, for fields. So it just... That's what was so frustrating about it. Brian Flores doesn't have an entirely a lot of faith in his front four getting pressure, so he's bringing more people because he wants to disrupt the quarterback and get after the quarterback, and he was successful in it. You heard me say two sacks so far in the first quarter and more fireworks in the second here when we get there in a minute. But watching that, knowing that this is what the Vikings like to do and then watching us go out there like they don't is what's really, really frustrating. It's, it's, it's you know, why I'm kind of at my wit's end with Luke Getzey because I can't explain most of the things that he does. It just doesn't make sense. It's like watching Nagy do it all over again and him being stubborn like this is the play. Just go out there and run it. Never mind the free rusher. Just get to your spot and get rid of the ball. That's basically the that's Lou Getze's offense right there. It was like, yeah, guys are going to be coming free. They're going to be getting to you in a millisecond, even before you're done with your drop. So you'll be doing a lot of off-the-back foot throwing or you'll be taking a lot of sacks or, God forbid, a lot of hits uh, in the game uh, this week. But maybe next week when we play a team that doesn't blitz as much, you'll have a clean pocket and, and time to throw the ball and, and all that kind of stuff. And and. You know, that nonsense may have cost us our quarterback for an extended period of time. As I'm sitting here, it's about midnight, so I'm burning the midnight oil here for you guys. Um, The hand's not broken. Uh, It's just dislocated. Fields wanted to come back into the game but could not grip the ball. So he's going to have an MRI on Monday or today, for those of you listening to this, to find out what extent uh, of the damage, what the extent of the damage really is. So for those of you who've been pounding the table for Tyson Bajent, especially in the first three weeks of the season when our offense couldn't score a touchdown on me and 10 of my closest friends, you got your wish. 
But be careful what you wish for because we saw a couple of things that happen when you have a rookie quarterback at the helm. They do rookie quarterback things like the interception that he threw when he was trying to hit DJ Moore. He didn't step into that throw at all. That was all hips and arms right there when he tried to throw that ball to, to Moore, and it was wildly underthrown. But um, we'll get to that later. But, you know, I, like I said, it, it just it's, it's frustrating to, to watch, to sit there. And, and the, the most frustrating thing about it is that it's – and that's why it, it makes me so mad is that it reminds me so much of Nagy and – how many times did you guys hear me talk about while Nagy was here? Um, you know, if it's so obvious to so many people from so many different walks of life, from me, the fat guy on the couch, to the beat writer who covers the team, to the former player who knows the game uh, better than most average civilians uh, and everything, we all agree that this should be the thing that's happening. And yet... We're not doing it. If it's so obvious to so many people, what is it that you're not seeing? You know, and that's the frustrating part. That's what it's like watching Luke Getze call the offense uh, in, in situations like this. So but it, because apparently everything has to be perfect in order for Luke Getze's offense to work like it has been for the last two weeks against Washington uh, in Denver when we don't have an aggressive uh, opponent that's not going to send the house on every play like Minnesota was, then your offensive line can block, you know, that it has enough bodies to block everyone that they're sending. The quarterback can finish his drop, make his read, make the throws, uh, and look like a professional. But God forbid the defense doesn't want to be, doesn't want to allow you to sit back and pick them apart. Now the offense all of a sudden doesn't work, but we're going to run it the same way anyway, regardless of what our opponent is doing to counteract what we want to do. So let's move on to the uh, second quarter because uh, we didn't have a bounce back quarter uh, in it. Uh, we, we got a couple of field goals uh, out of it. We should have gotten a lot more, but because of the fact that we weren't accounting for the blitz, or that we weren't defending the blitz very well in the times that we did uh, try uh, and pick it up. Uh, we had the game turn on us right there at the very end, and it was basically the beginning of the end. That uh, The touchdown the Vikings scored before the first half, well, actually the argument could be made that it was also the Bajan uh, fumble, but either way, it was, it was points off turnovers, which is how the Vikings scored almost all of their points uh, on Sunday. So... You know, they scored 19 points on us on Sunday, and I believe they had 13 off of our three turnovers. So, anyway, second quarter knee-jerk reaction. Uh, you know, it's it looked a little bit better on offense. We're still running the ball well. The ball game's not gotten away from us, but there was this thing that happened right before the end of the half that changed the way the game was going. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction, second quarter, Bears, Vikings, and it's uh, been a, what you would expect from two one-in-four teams. It's a, a mixture of, of, of good flashes with uh, baffling incompetence followed up, you know, a, a very much a one-step-forward, two-steps-back kind of half. Uh, and the last few minutes of the second quarter here, perfect example where the Bears and Vikings traded interceptions where, uh, you know, the offensive line cannot protect Justin Fields. Every time he drops back to throw, they're bringing pressure. He got his arm banged on, on, a, on a pass attempt. It gets picked off. The Vikings go eight plays, uh, like 76 yards, and put a touchdown in the end zone just before uh, the half. We blocked the extra point, so it's 12-6 to six instead of 13-6. to six. But, you know, we were supposed to be driving in putting a touchdown in the end zone uh, off of our interception where we pressured Cousins and hit his hand and Tremaine Edmonds gets an interception. But instead, we give the ball right back. The Vikings make us pay for it. And they start with the ball in the second half. So far, what I've been seeing is that when the Bears have been aggressive on defense, on offense, we've had success. When we sit back and play not to lose, that's when we run into trouble. So 
go back to being aggressive like we did against Washington last week. Maybe we'll see better results in the second half. That bit about playing not to lose, that was very much what was on my mind, especially at the end of the second quarter. The Bears had a drive. Um, it was third and seven. And the play that we ran on third and seven, go look at Bears Twitter uh, around that time during the game. And literally everyone that was watching the game, beat writers, our good friend Lauren Cox, everyone running the ball up the middle on third and seven. Everyone was like, that was a weird play call. Why would they call a a run up the middle on third and seven? And my tweet was, Nothing says playing not to lose like a run up the middle on third and seven. That that's what that's what that says to me. Rather than trying to be aggressive, like we were all day, every day against Washington last week, like we were against the uh, Broncos, where we were, we were attacking their defense, we were going after them, playing not to lose rather than leave. You know, rather than than risk putting Justin in a position to drop back. And I like I said. I know he was under pressure every time he tried to throw the ball, but when we stayed aggressive in the passing game, things worked out. We did well. We got DJ, we got the ball to DJ Moore. We got the ball downfield. And we made things happen. And, you know, running the ball on third and seven is a very low percentage of success. And I think we ended up getting, you know, like four or five on the play, but four or five isn't seven. We needed seven or more to extend the drive. I mean, running the ball up the middle on third and seven is like running the draw on third and 22. You're just trying to get as many yards as you can to give your punter some extra room before you kick the ball away. That's what you're doing. That's what you're saying. That's the message you're delivering to everyone who's watching the game, your fans, their fans, whatever. Like, yeah, third and seven. I don't think we don't have a play for third and seven. So we're just going to run the ball, see what we can get. Maybe we'll get lucky. And if we don't, we got some yardage. We'll kick the ball and, uh, you know, play defense. And, you know, we were, I mean, it was, it was my keys to the game, guys. If you guys remember, the three keys to the game were Deontay, go out there and get, take this job like you stole it, okay? Stay aggressive on offense. Go after uh, the Vikings. I want to see hot routes and quick slants to counteract the blitzes they're going to be sending us. Didn't see any of that. And then stay aggressive on defense. We got to Sam Howell because we kept going after Sam Howell. And and you guys heard me talk to Chris Gates about it. I would much rather get beat on the blitz than have you sit there and pick us apart. And that is what happened on that touchdown drive before the end of the first half. We did not go after Cousins. He sat back there and had time to find K.J. Osborne. He had time to find Mario Addison. He had time uh, to find, uh, or excuse me, Jordan Addison. Uh, Alexander Madison, uh, Brandon Powell, uh, T.J. Hawkinson. Hawkinson was his favorite target on that drive uh, for the touchdown and then finished it off by finding Addison in the back of the uh, end zone. He sat back there. He picked us apart. We didn't pressure him. We didn't try to go after him. Uh, You know, we finally dialed it up in the second half, and we've, basically shut them out because the only points the Vikings scored in the second half was the fumble recovery of Tyson Bajan's strip sack. Otherwise, the Bears defense shut the Vikings down in the second half because we got more aggressive, because we went after Cousins. We only sacked him twice in the game, but we got after him. You know, we got after him. We got a bunch of QB hits. The future is threatened Jesus by enemies Christ. often unpredictable. When there are battles to win for America's future. That scared the shit out of me. <laughs> oh, well, this is what happens when you have a, a mixer that feeds into, you know, like your computer, play, you, the audio from your computer feeds into your uh, audio mixer and that you're recording on right now. Whew. That scared the shit out of me, man. I, I'm, I'm sitting down here. It's one o'clock in the, it's about one o'clock in the morning. I'm sitting in my quiet, but it's not like dark or anything or scary or anything down here, but all of a sudden, all I can hear, all I hear in my head is my own voice coming into my 
earphones and then I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know what? I think I'm going to leave this in the show just for you guys. I hope you enjoy it. So, uh, whew, what was I talking about? When we stayed aggressive and got after um, Cousins, that's how we got the interception. We, we, we were able to hit his arm as he was going to throw. The ball just floats up there like a dead duck. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds falls underneath it. We got the interception. It's going back the other way. We got the ball, I think, around midfield or in Vikings territory uh, at least. We're putting a decent drive together. We don't account for the blitz. Justin's arm gets hit. They pick it off. They're going back the other way, and they put it in the end zone like we should have. So, you know. When we were aggressive, good things happened. Uh, you know, we got after uh, Cousins. We absolutely shut the Vikings down on offense in the second half. This is a, a team that, despite their 1-4 and four record, I believe was ranking high in offense because they were cranking out the yardage. It's just that, you know, they were having a lot more trouble getting the ball in the end zone um, than they were, uh, you know, from, from the 20 to the 20. They were a mother of a team to... To deal with Cousins was at, probably averaging about 300 yards a game passing. He finished 21 of 31 for 181 and a touchdown today. You know, in a losing effort a few weeks ago to the Chargers, he threw for almost 400 yards and three touchdowns. And it was that one tip drill interception at the end of the game that ended up costing him uh, and everything. So even in a losing effort, the offense is lighting it up. I mean, granted, they were missing the guy that usually helps them light it up in Justin Jefferson, but. Hawkinson did his thing. Osborne, Addison, Madison, Brandon Powell's, and so on, uh, all contributed uh, to the offense. But like I said, the Bears did a hell of a job in the second half. As uh, you know, I was very happy with the way that the defense played uh, in the second half. They do some better tackling from time to time, but overall, sh- allowing no points in the second half is is something you can be proud of. The offense, on the other hand, didn't really see it. Didn't weren't defending the blitz, and then in the third quarter, our quarterback goes down. Um, I have mixed feelings about the moment that he got hurt because it was a moment where he was under pressure, had to try to get out of the pocket, was trying to get rid of it, which is something that he's been doing more of lately, just to get rid of it, live to play, live to fight another play, uh, kind of thing. But in his effort to try to do that, he lands awkwardly, busts up his hand has to leave the game, and then we have to hand the keys over to Tyson Bajan, which I know is something a lot of you have been hoping to see and something that I didn't mind seeing, but the circumstances, obviously, uh, not how we wanted to do that. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction, third quarter, Bears, Vikings, and it's gone from bad to worse. Uh, we lost Justin Fields uh, due to a hand injury. He is out for the game. Tyson Bajic comes in on the second play from scrimmage. He gets strip sacked from behind. The Vikings scoop and run it in for a touchdown, making it 19 uh, to 6. Um, and <laughs> Lou Getze is, uh, you know, hasn't, well, we haven't seen it yet, but uh, he's, hasn't, he's not turning Tyson Bajic loose, basically. We're still doing the, uh, we had like a second and one play. We did the quick screen out to DJ Moore. Darno Mooney decided not to block anyone, and DJ Moore gets stuffed for a two-yard loss uh, on the play. We tried to run another uh, screen on, you know, I think the next play or the play after that, and uh, Cody Whitehair uh, decided to, uh, you know, skip it back to uh, Bajant. He got himself benched because Lucas Patrick was the center on the first play of this last drive at the end of the quarter here. Uh, it's just been a mess. I mean, the defense is doing everything that it's that it can. Technically, they've only given up 12 points uh, in this game. The offense has given up points with the strip sack. It's 19 to six. We'll we'll see what happens. I mean, it's it would take a miracle for us to pull this one out. So let's see if Tyson Bajan can endear himself to the city of Chicago and not just be the preseason hero, but an actual regular season hero. <laughs> You know how the saying goes, the most popular guy on, you know, in most fan bases is the backup quarterback and Tyson Bajan due to his uh his story and his performance in the preseason um has been that guy ever since 
Uh, Justin Fields came out and basically laid an egg against Green Bay and then again against Tampa Bay and then again against Kansas City. Those people were all calling for Tyson Bajan. Tyson Bajan, Tyson Bajan. The problem was Tyson Bajan was number three until the Denver game. Now he's the backup. Now he'd be the first guy off the bench. You idiots are screaming for Nathan Peterman to be put out there because he is the backup. So he would be the first guy off the bench. Tyson Bagent is the emergency guy if something happens to both Fields and Peterman. But Denver game comes around. Justin Field balls out. Washington game comes around. Peterman's not on the team anymore. Justin Fields balls out again and wins the game this time. So, yeah, this was not something that we were anticipating that, uh, you know, after the last two weeks that the offense would regress like it did uh, on Sunday. And, um, you know, it just, it was the same thing that was happening again. Like Luke Getze has never uh, entertained the idea of halftime adjustments. It's like, oh, okay. So we completely ignored the fact that this is the most blitz aggressive team uh, in the league. And, uh, we, you know, we basically paid for it, especially right there at the end of the half where their pressure forced a, you know, dead duck deflected interception that they turned into a touchdown. So let's try and do something that's going to counteract that blitz. Let's do something where, you know, like I'll, I'll never forget back in 2010. Okay. 2010, the bears are in Dallas playing the Cowboys and in the, I think it was first quarter, it was nothing but DeMarcus Ware up Jay Cutler's ass the entire quarter. Like, literally every time he went back to throw, he was being murdered by somebody in a cowboy uniform. And then finally, I believe it was in the second quarter, maybe it was at the end of the first, They Jay hit Greg Olson on a hot route for like a 70-yard touchdown, and Dallas took their foot off the gas for the rest of the game. They did not come after Jay for the rest of the game. Cutler was back there picking him apart the rest of the game, throwing touchdown. We won that game. We beat the Cowboys that day. Nobody was expecting us to beat the Cowboys, and we did. And we didn't have anything even closely resembling that moment in this game. It wasn't like, okay, here comes the blitz. Here comes the slant to, to Darnell Mooney, to Tyler Scott, or God forbid, DJ Moore coming across the middle, who's proven himself to be one of the more dangerous receivers in the league after the catch. I mean, one of the more astounding things about his stat line last week against Washington, 230 yards receiving. He had somewhere in the area of like anywhere, I believe anywhere from 130 to 160 after the catch, after the catch. So he got more than half of his yards running after he actually caught the ball. But do we want to get the ball in that guy's hands in a hot route situation? Nah. You know, have him run a a route into the spot where the blitz came from, therefore a vulnerable spot of the defense. Nope, don't want to do that. God forbid we uh, use this guy. Not only did we trade the number one pick in the draft for him, but DJ Moore got his bag from Carolina before he came. To Chicago. Granted, he's not making thirty mil a year like Tyreek Hill and uh, and guys of that ilk, but he's still we're still paying him somewhere in the na- neighborhood of like seventeen to nineteen million a season, which is more than we were willing to give Allen Robinson, if you guys remember. So why not get the ball to the guy that we're paying an exorbitant amount of money to, and let him do what he's been doing? the last two weeks, which is going beast mode on anybody not in a bear uniform. Nah, nah, we won't, we won't do that. We'll, we'll just sit back there and try to block seven with five, leave our quarterbacks exposed. And, you know, they're athletic. They can move around the pocket and buy themselves some more time, get the ball down. Nope. You know, after we get Justin Fields killed because we didn't protect him from another blitz, uh, two plays into the Tyson Bajan era, first play, Finds Valus Jones, of all people, for about a five-yard completion. Second play, he dodges the first guy, doesn't see the second guy coming from behind, strip sack, scoop the ball into the end zone. That was your ball game. 19 points, that was all they needed. Um, 
We were finally able to put a drive together in the fourth quarter, which we'll talk about here uh, in just a moment. But that was it. That was the ball game right there. That that those free points that we gave the Vikings because we refused to do anything about their constant pressure ends up being the ball game. And and actually, it was another pressured throw in the fourth quarter that killed that last drive. The Bears were trying to uh, take care of there at the end. So just just so frustrating watch watching. Uh, watching Getzy, it just you know like if if it's so obvious to so many people like go on Twitter you'll see what everybody's saying why aren't we doing this why aren't we doing that and it's easy for us to do that but at the same time almost none of these people are in communication with each other or at least I'm not in communication with most people outside of maybe Lauren Cox as far as Bears Twitter uh, is concerned and yet we're all having the collective same idea on how to counteract what the Vikings are doing to slow us down, stop us, pressure us, uh, and what have you. And yet Luke's, Luke Getze has no problem. He's not the one taking the hits. He has no problem just going headlong into a buzzsaw um, play after play. And, you know, much like the stubborn uh, Matt Nagy, just wanted the play ran as it was called, as opposed to doing something to provide an extra second or half second to give our quarterback the time they need to make the read, to step into their throw, as opposed to what they were doing, throwing off the back foot, getting their arm, uh, you know, raked by a defender where they could A, get hurt, or B, get the ball deflected and picked off and all that kind of stuff. Nah, now nah, we're just going to go ahead and, and do what we're doing, and uh, it'll be fine. Just need to execute. Does that sound familiar? Because execution was all Matt Nagy cared about. He didn't really care who was on the field. It's like, just run the play, and if you execute, we'll be fine. And the last thing that we were during the Matt Nagy era was fine uh, and everything like that. So fourth quarter knee-jerk reaction, you know, we talk about the Bajent, uh, you know, comeback attempt and where I kind of give credit to uh, the offense uh, for their uh, for the comeback. And, you know, they got Soldier Field all riled up and involved uh, and whatnot. But in the end, the Bears are going to bear, and we certainly did in the fourth quarter. <laughs> New jerk reaction, fourth quarter, Bears, Vikings, and uh, we made a run. We made it interesting. Uh, Tyson Bagent led a, a good-looking touchdown drive when I was thinking that it was, it was going to have to be the defense that got us back into this game, and it was a nine-play, 77-yard drive by Bajan in the offense, and uh, we did the, the Philly tush-push uh, to get Bajan in the end zone for the uh, – Touchdown to make it 19-13. to 13. Uh, Defense shut the uh, Vikings down. We get the ball right back. We're charging down the field. Bajan's under pressure. Uh, heaves one up for DJ Moore. It's underthrown. It gets picked off, and that's the ball game. The Vikings just got done kneeling on the ball to finish it off 19-13. to 13. We'll see what the fallout is because, like I said, the we, we've got a winnable schedule. We got the Raiders next week. We got the Chargers after that, the Saints after that. It, it won't take much to beat any of these teams. And then we got the Panthers after them. The next four games, we can win them all. We are good enough to win those games. But will we be able to win those games? Not if we play like we did today, turning over the football, making mistakes, and uh, you know, and also our our training staff can't keep our guys healthy. We're we're dropping like flies. So we'll uh, see what the fallout is with Fields and his. Uh, injury along with Nate Davis and everybody else that went down today. Right. So we're reshuffling the offensive line again because Nate Davis went down because when tight, uh, when Justin Fields got sacked in the first quarter, he fell on the back of Nate Davis's legs, did some kind of damage to his probably, you know, look an ankle sprain or something like that. Hopefully it's nothing serious. that's going to keep him out for any kind of uh, time. And if it's a simple ankle sprain, not a high ankle sprain or anything like that. Just rub some dirt on it and get your ass back out there, please. We need you. Seriously, just please. But he was out for the game, so my assumption is probably high ankle sprain and he'll be out for a little while, uh, along with Khalil Herbert, who's out for the same thing. But, um, yeah, so it's like... You heard me mention it at the, at the and I've been talking about it for weeks because, like, that's the frustrating part about how we've played so far, and and everything. It's like, aside from can is like, look at our schedule. Aside from Kansas City, and not in, again until 
the Lions week 11, who on the schedule scares you? Who on the schedule worries you? And honestly, the funny thing was the only team that really kind of ruffled my feathers at all was the uh, Commanders, and that was just because they've got those studs up front on that defensive line. I thought they were going to manhandle us again like they did last year. Boy, was I wrong about that. Like That was what I was concerned about with Washington, was those guys up front, because that's basically how they slowed us down last year, was that we could not block those guys to save our lives. Justin Fields got beat up all day long, and you know we only got one touchdown out of the whole deal. Could not do anything on offense. I thought we were looking at another one of those games. But outside of that, Minnesota wasn't worried about them going into the season. Not really worried about the Raiders outside of like Max Crosby uh, next week. We figure out how to block that guy. That pretty much takes care of the Raiders. They don't have anybody else on that defensive front that I'm worried about. You know, we got to worry about Devontae Adams, but our secondary is as healthy as it's ever been, uh, you know, going into this game. And we saw how well our defense played. Uh, this Sunday against the the Vikings. Then you got next week, you got Herbert and the Chargers. And yeah, their offense is worrisome, but their defense is god-awful. It could be like, and it could be another Broncos game all over again. So maybe saying that they're winnable games isn't, maybe it's some more like these are games we can compete in. Like we can give ourselves a chance to win. But if we're going to go out there and turn the ball over three, four times a game, keep making these self-inflicted wounds, Valus Jones, God bless him, was finally returning kicks today. Instead of just constantly watching the ball land safely into the end zone and we just take it at the 25, you know, it's kind of like the thing with the blitz. It's like, I will never be upset if we get beat on a blitz. You know, it's as much as it would suck to watch them beat us on the blitz and get a big gain or, God forbid, score a touchdown or or whatever for them to exploit the blitz and beat it for a big play or something like that. Yeah, that would suck. But when you're going to bits, you're being aggressive, you know, it's like I can live with that all day long versus sitting back there in zone and watching him pick us apart because we can't get home with four. Even if like, cause Cordero Patterson did it all the time. I never faulted Cordero Patterson for bringing it out from eight yards deep in the end zone. Even if he didn't make it back to the 20 or God forbid the 25 uh, or anything, the, giving himself a chance to make a play for as good as he was and all that kind of stuff. The speed that Valus Jones have, I would much rather he brought every goddamn kick out as opposed to just sitting there watching it sail over his head or land five feet to his left in the end zone and take it at the 25. I was that I watched I watched that for five weeks. It irritated the hell out of me every single time. I was like, why do we even have you on the field? Why are you there? Because like people were like, where's Equinemia St. Brown? Well, unfortunately, he's on IR with a hamstring injury now. But those first four weeks of the season before the Denver game, or the first three weeks of the season, because he played against Denver, but those first three weeks of the season, Bayless Jones is just sitting there. That's all we had Bayless Jones on the field for was the, was the kick returns. That's it. He's not returning punts either. He lost that job. But, you know, it was like we could you know, just put Trent Taylor back there, the guy we got returning our punts, and sit down Valus Jones, let him be the healthy scratch, put Equinemius St. Brown out there. He's much better at blocking and and everything. He's a valuable part of that. You know, let's do it that way. But instead, getting rid of Claypool, that's what got Equinemius out there for the last two weeks. And, you know, we ran the ball very well in both those games. So I'm just saying. But it's he finally started bringing it out. But and he had a really nice return. They got called back because of a uh, uh, holding penalty, self-inflicted wounds, turning the football over. If we're going to do that, we're going to lose the next four games easily, even to Carolina, uh, and on Thursday night football again, before we play the Lions, where I think they'll absolutely destroy us. But you know, we can go into that game on some kind of winning streak or, you know, stack a couple of wins in the next four games before we play Detroit. Because, like I said, outside of Max Crosby, you know, Garoppolo is in and out of the lineup. Aiden O'Connell is their backup uh, quarterback. He's a fourth-round rookie. Uh, You know, like I said, San Diego, yeah, their offense is is worrisome. But we're going to be playing at SoFi. 
that's going to be like a West Coast home game for us. And their defense, despite all the talent it has on it, including guys like Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, number one, none of those guys can stay healthy. I think Mack has played pretty consistently this year, but, you know, Bosa in and out of the lineup despite making 25 mil a season uh, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, their defense is horrendous, giving up, you know, 20-plus points or more uh, per game. So, I mean, I, I can only imagine what the Cowboys might do to them tomorrow. But uh, on Monday Night Football, or tonight, as I should say. But, you know, then you got the Saints, who, yeah, pretty good on defense, but can't get it together on offense. They lost to the Texans today. They only scored 17 points against the Texans today. Even though they've got Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara, Derek Carr as the quarterback, you know, and a pretty decent offensive line from what I understand. And, uh, I mean, we'll talk more about that with Ross Jackson in a couple weeks when we get ready for that game. But they can't get it together uh, on offense. That would make it very easy for us, you know, because, uh, you know, if we keep playing defense the way we played, especially these last this la- these last two weeks, we got a chance in those games. So, and then, like I said, week 10 after the Saints game is the Panthers at home. On Thursday night. Come on now. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Okay. I mean, it probably is. Percentage wise, it's probably not possible. But we win four in a row. We're five and five going into that Lions game. It's possible. Okay. It is possible. We can compete. They are winnable games. These are not teams that have been like, oh man, well, they're just going to absolutely, because of this, this, or this, they're going to kill us. I don't feel like that about any of these teams. I feel like that about the Lions, which is game number five. But, you know, the Raiders next week, the Chargers, the Saints, the Panthers. I'm sweating any of those teams, not one. So maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. But it's like I think at the very least we can compete and put ourselves in a position to win those games, a.k.a. a winnable game. The Lions, no, absolutely not. They'll kill us. But they're just play, they're hitting on all cylinders right now. They they just went out and, and smacked up the uh, the Buccaneers in their uh, old school creamsicle uniforms in Tampa today. So yeah, we ain't messing with the Lions right now. David Montgomery's going to get his revenge on us. They're too good up front. So I don't know, but that's why they play the games. So we'll see. But these next four that we have coming up, we can win them all. We can win them all. You know, even with Tyson Bajan back there, if we can protect him, he can throw the ball. He can put it where it needs to be. Um, he reads the ball very well, especially for somebody in his in his stage in youth, uh, and you know, and being a rookie, being a you know Division two quarterback and everything. I think we should get Roshan back next week to go along with Deontay Foreman. That's a nice backfield right there. And then you know, a couple weeks later. Like probably leading into that, uh, either the Carolina game or getting ready for the Lions game, we get Claire Herbert back. Cross your fingers. So, yeah. We're not, I mean, the season is over, but we're not done. You know what I'm saying? We can still go out there and make a run uh, at this thing. The schedule allows it. So we don't have to run a murderer's row of a schedule uh, and everything. Playing the, uh, playing the, the AFC AFC West and the NFC South. It's like, okay, you got the Chiefs. We knew they were going to be a problem. But everybody else, that's that's winnable for us. The NFC South, we've only played the Buccaneers uh, so far, but uh, Carolina, New Orleans, Atlanta, you know, those were all winnable games uh, as well. I mean, and we got the Cardinals uh, coming up. So, yeah. The only other team, like, after the Lions that I'm really worried about is the Browns because of their defense. And if Deshaun is – I mean, they beat the 49ers today because their defense is that good. They shut down the 49ers, who's scoring 30-something points a game uh, going into this thing. So, yeah. But like I said, we, we didn't do anything to counteract the pressure, and it was the pressure that ended up costing us the game that throw to DJ Moore – the pressure was coming, so Tyson Bajan couldn't step into 
the throw and just kind of heaved it out there, uh, just relying on his arm strength, and it wasn't enough. It hung up. It got picked off. Game was over after that. So, yeah. If we can get – if Luke Getze can get his head out of his ass and make some adjustments to help our offense and, you know, to counteract what the defense is doing to us, because not everybody's going to sit there and let Bajan or Fields or whoever – the quarterback is just sit back in the pocket and pick us apart, especially when we've got guys like Mooney and, and uh, DJ Moore and, you know, Cole Komet, who I don't, did he catch a pass today? I don't think he did. Let me look real quick. I got the uh, stats right here. Two catches, nine yards, excuse me. So, but yeah, DJ Moore, five catches, 51 yards, Darnell Mooney, two catches, 48 Yards, 39 on that one big play, and it's like the start of the second quarter. Tyler Scott, two catches, 12 yards, was the third best on the team. Robert Tunyon, one catch for 11 yards. Yeah, that's the kind of day it was. So it's not impossible, you know, so we'll see what happens. But uh, anyway, guys, that's uh, all I got for the uh, review. Let's go ahead and wrap this bad boy up with everybody's favorite segment. Bear up, bear down. Bear up, bear down for week number six. Uh, Even in our beloved's efforts and uh, losing the game on Sunday, quite a few bear ups uh, this week uh, because I saw a lot of things that I liked. I mean, it's not, uh, this is not by any stretch of the imagination one of those moral. Uh, victories or, or anything like that. But I did see some noteworthy performances uh, that I would like to mention in the bear up segment. Uh, and even though we lost the game, it wasn't though it wasn't one of those embarrassing games, kind of like the, you know, like weeks one against green Bay week three against Kansas city uh, and so on, where I refuse to give out bear ups to anyone, but um, you know, bear up Tyson Bajant. Came off the bench and and did fairly well, you know, especially for the situation that he was kind of thrust into. Uh, 10 of 14 for 83 yards, uh, not bad at all. Also got a couple yards on a scramble or two uh, in there as well. Uh, Unfortunately, it was having Bajant come into the game that finally got DJ Moore uh, involved uh, in the offense. He had like one catch for seven yards while Justin Fields was in the game. Not Justin's fault, I'm just saying that uh, Bajan was looking for DJ Moore more than Fields was able to uh, in the two and a half quarters that he was uh, in the game. But, uh, you know, he gave us an effort. Uh, he almost brought us back. He was on his way doing it. Then our failure to do anything about Minnesota's blitz ends up hurting us as the rookie tries to heave it out there, uh, making a rookie mistake, and uh, ends up costing us uh, the ball game. So, but good effort. And if Fields can't play next week, I look forward to see what he can do uh, as the full-time uh, starter for you know for the for week seven against the uh, the Raiders. So we'll see what happens. Uh, bear up, Deontay Foreman, Darrington Evans uh, ran the ball fairly well for us on uh, Sunday, especially Foreman. Fifteen carries, sixty-five yards, just a uh, little over four yards uh, a carry. Uh, Darrington Evans, almost four yards a carry, nine carries, 32 uh, yards uh, in the game. Had some nice-looking runs uh, in there as well. Uh, Valus Jones got in in the mix uh, as well, had a 17-yard run uh, at one point. But, um, you know, we ended up with 162 yards rushing. That is not a bad day at all uh, running the football. Like, those are the kinds of numbers that are going to have us climbing back to where we were last year when we were number one. Uh, in the league, if we start averaging 160, 180 yards rushing like we did last week against uh, Washington. so But very happy those guys. I mean, last week, Darrington Evans wasn't even on the team. You know, for the last four weeks, uh, Deontay Foreman was a healthy scratch. So he's been our number three back watching from the sidelines for the last month. And, uh, you know, no rust uh, at all. Deontay Foreman comes in and uh, performs. And it was just like I said, in the keys to the game, use that frustration because it couldn't have been easy getting that phone call every week telling you that you were going to be inactive, that you're not playing on Sunday. Even though you're healthy, there's nothing wrong with you. 
We just want to go with someone who isn't you and let them run the ball this week. And now that they need you, you know, were you going to go out there and do the job? Or were you going to be unprepared? Were you going to be rusty? Were you, were you not going to have your heart in it? And you definitely stepped up and showed up for us. So I appreciate that tremendously. And uh, so we'll bear up for him on the performance he gave us uh, today. Uh, bear up, believe it or not, to Matt Eberflus. Especially in the second half, the defense was aggressive like it was against Washington. We went after uh, Kirk Cousins. We were starting to do it a little bit before halftime. That's what caused the uh, the interception uh, that we were able to uh, to get. But, uh, you know, we stayed aggressive in the second half. We went after uh, the Vikings. We went after Cousins. We shut them down. We absolutely shut them out in the second half. The only points they scored were off of Bajan strip sack uh, fumble recovery. Uh, you know, that's a first for us, uh, you know, so far in 2023 that we shut them out. So, uh, you know, I like what I'm seeing from the defense, the improvement over the last two Weeks, it's almost like uh, you know he's kind of getting back into his groove, uh, calling the uh, defense uh, again. So, yeah, we'll see what happens next week uh, against the uh, Raiders. Uh, here's another one for you: Bear up, Valus Jones Jr. Um, you finally started bringing the ball out, even five, six yards deep uh, in the end zone, giving yourself a chance, and you damn near took it back, even though. It wouldn't have counted because of the holding penalty on Joe Juan Johnson, I think. But, uh, yeah. But I, I was, I'll take that every single time. Like I said, it's the same thing as, you know, if we get beat on the blitz, then so be it kind of thing. I'd much rather get beat trying to send the house and get after the quarterback than watch him pick us apart. And I'd much rather you get stuffed before the 20-yard line with you bringing it out, giving yourself a chance to make a play as opposed to just watching it sail over your head or what, I mean, well, there's nothing you can do when it's going to go out the back of the end zone, but watching it land in the end zone, five feet to your left or, or whatever that was making me just bad shit and saying I couldn't stand it. So very welcome change to see you catching the ball and running it out, using that speed where you, that made you sec special teams player of the year uh, in 2021. So yeah, let's see more of that. And maybe if you make those plays, you get a chance to do more than just one, you know, reverse or whatever it was that you ran uh, in the offense uh, today as well. But very happy to see that. So bear up Valus Jones, or maybe I want, I should say bear up Richard Hightower, our special teams coordinator for finally giving him the green light to uh, catch the ball and run it out. So yeah, bear up Andrew Billings, very under the radar uh, signing. Uh, for the Bears, and he has been a beast uh, these these last two weeks especially. You know, very much getting in the backfield. We almost got Cousins for a safety uh, at one point in the second quarter uh, and everything. You know, big old 97 is out there getting it done uh, for us uh, right now. Very much liking what I'm seeing uh, from him. And then uh, finally, well, I got more and more actually this. Cairo Car- Santos. <sighs> He's as steady as they come, you know. He's uh, out there doing what he needs to do. He was two for two uh, with a long of 53 uh, today. Hit the extra point uh, for the one touchdown that we scored. You know, he's Mr. Reliable. Those, uh, I think one one was 53. I think the other one was in the 50s. Maybe it was 50 yards or high 40s. Nailed them both, no doubt about it. So, just want to give him his due. Honorable mention to Trenton Gill, who's, uh, you know, getting it done, punting the ball on the occasions when we need to do that. And uh, the last bear up I wanted to give to Tremaine Edmonds for the interception that he got today. TJ Edwards uh, got a sack when we were sending the pressure, bringing the house uh, and everything. Tremaine Edmonds also had six solo, uh, six tackles uh, today. And, uh, I think he also batted a ball, defended a pass as well. So to our free agent linebackers, like I said, it, it seems like it's really starting to come together on defense, kind of going back to what uh, Ryan Poles was saying uh, during that, you know, disastrous lead up to the Kansas City game was that, you know, we didn't get to see these guys play together much during the preseason. People were hurt and 
all that kind of stuff. It's going to take a little time for them to gel, and I feel like that's happening on the defensive side. Last week's performance and then this week's performance uh, on top of it, shutting Minnesota out completely uh, in the second half. Really liking what I'm seeing from the defense these last two weeks, so hopefully that's something that will help us stay in ball games. You know, to, to give us a chance to get some of those turnovers, give the ball back to the offense, give us more of an opportunity to try to put our own points uh, on the board. So, but got got turnovers for the second week in a row, got some sacks uh, in there, uh, and, you know, and bringing the pressure uh, made made life difficult for Kirk Cousins, who threw for 200, less than 200 yards, I think probably for the first time uh, in this young season. So very happy with what I'm seeing from the defense the last a uh, couple of weeks. Uh, and then the Bear Downs. It's a combo for Luke Getze and the offensive line. So maybe we need to throw Chris Morgan, our offensive line coach, in here uh, as well. Because like I said, I've never really understood the uh, mindset behind an offensive, an NFL offensive blocking scheme. Leaving guys naked or dirty, as they like to call it. Uh, you know, we're going to have a free rusher running up the side of the field. We're not going to do anything to disrupt that whatsoever, but we're just going to count on our quarterback being a better athlete than this animal that's going to be running him down uh, or, you know, or whatever. It's like they're going to send seven. We're just going to go ahead and block them uh, with five. You know, each of our linemen has two arms. So, you know, that's 10 arms that we can block these seven people with. We should be fine. So, yeah, no, it's not working. Uh, and especially Cody Whitehair today. Uh, not so much that his blocking was a problem, but Jesus, man, you were a Pro Bowl center. What is the deal with the snaps? It's ridiculous. So, I mean, he it got him benched. So, yeah, I, we'll see what happens next week, especially with Nate Davis possibly being out. What that's going to look like is JT Carter going to be the starting right guard uh, with uh, with Davis out uh, and and leave. Cody Whitehair on the bench. Are we going to find a way to maybe, maybe we move Cody Whitehair over to right guard, and uh, or actually maybe we put Jenkins in at right guard and have him side by side with Darnell Wright. I think I just got aroused. Oh my god! So you know, move Jenkins over to the right side, stick Cody Whitehair on the left, see what that looks like. Mm. Yes, sir. I'm not, yeah, that, I like that a lot, actually. So, anyway, we'll see what happens with, uh, with Nate Davis and if a uh, move like that is necessary. But finally, you know, Bernard and Luke Getze, they're called halftime adjustments, bro. They were blitzing and getting, in, and they were getting home with the blitz. So it's not like we were defending and making them pay uh, for the blitzing or anything like that. And then we come out in the second half, and we did nothing to adjust or account for the fact that the Vikings are going to blitz anywhere from 55 to 60% of the time, which for anyone keeping score at home is three out of every five plays. They're bringing more than five, five or more, I should say. Anywhere from five to seven guys, they're bringing three out of every five plays. So, nah, we just, we'll be fine. Just get rid of the ball, make your reads, get the ball out, we'll be fine. Okay. So it's what ended up, it's what got Justin hurt. It's what got forced the interception uh, for Justin in the first half. It's what caused the fumble and the strip sack for Tyson Bajan was the pressure that was coming and us not doing anything about it. So just saying. So we'll end it there. Uh, that's going to do it for the week six review of the Bearstock Underground, Bears and Vikings. We will be back on Tuesday for the week six review of the fourth phase. And uh, all I got to say about that is that the 49ers and the Eagles cost me 21 points uh, this week because I had 12 on the Eagles, nine on the 49ers, and both were 5-0 and teams on the road. And um, I mentioned them in the pick six. And, and like I said, the reason that I brought them up is like cause these are the kinds of games that they can lose. You got a West Coast team playing a uh, noon game, which for them is like a 10 a.m. game on the road, not the best conditions, that kind of thing. And then the Eagles could possibly, you know, 
get caught by the Jets in a trap game because they got Miami next Sunday uh, in a possible Super Bowl uh, preview. So they're looking at, you know, Tyreek Hill and Tua and Jalen Waddell and everything that Mike McDaniel and those guys are doing in Miami, thinking about that big matchup, not paying attention to Robert Sala and their crew, and they got caught with their pants down on Sunday, and they got beat. That's why I brought those games up, even though I still picked Philly, I still picked San Francisco. That's why I thought those games were interesting, and I'll be damned if both of those scenarios didn't come true today. I couldn't believe it. Both teams lost. The 49ers should have won, though. The Eagles just got beat. The 49ers missed a field goal with eight seconds to go. They should have won, but they didn't. So, And that cost me. They, I had nine on the 49ers. That cost me. That sucked. But going into the Monday night game, I'm nine and five because there are 15 games. I have five losses, and uh, including the Bears. Yeah, I pick them, and, and of course they lose. But... Nine and five going into the Monday night game, and I'm picking the Cowboys. So hopefully that works out, and I can be ten and five, which would be nice. But we'll have to wait and see. And come back on uh, Tuesday to see how all of that went, and uh, yeah, see how the rest of the schedule went. We'll talk about the pick six and uh, the all-out blitz and all that. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. find cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader